Today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give information out that might get me taken down by the police or the CIA or the FBI. Here on National Live Podcast, I'm going to talk to you. First, we're going to talk about sports, obviously, but this intro here might get me taken down. Okay? Might get me taken down. I found out today, big news, found out today that the United States government have 1.4 billion pounds of cheese stored in a cave underneath Springfield, Missouri. A cheese cave full of 1.4 billion pounds of surplus cheese is stored beneath the beautiful city of Springfield, Missouri. Now why, you may ask, is there a bunch of cheese underneath the city of Springfield, Missouri? Storage, main thing. You don't have to worry about energy when you build it, you know, hundreds of feet underground. And it's actually a limestone mine. It's not a cave per se. That's just a funny way of saying a cheese cave. You know what I mean? But it's actually a limestone mine that they're still working on today. They're still getting limestone out of that mine with cheese all around them. They're surrounded by cheese and they're getting limestone out of that mine at the same time. It's truly a incredible discovery that I found out about today was a incredible cheese cave and i think personally with all the ingenuity that we had for storm area 51 if we put that a little bit more towards storm in the cheese cave how about that we store the storm the cheese cave we'll be set for life 1.4 billion pounds with a b of cheese still in cold storage holdings today it's not owned by the government anymore per se it's owned by like different cheese companies so like Kraft has like a stake down there and stuff like that. Steak, that's a good pun. Not steak, you know what I mean? Cheese steak, you know what I mean? So they got a cheese steak, if you will, and the 1.4 billion pounds of cheese underneath Springfield, Missouri. So, you know what? A little ingenuity. A little Storm Area 51. Storm the cheese cave. Huh? How about that? I'm going to make the Facebook post. Everybody RSVP and let me know they're going to come. We're going to draw battle plans. We're going to get there. We're going to get the cheese. We're going to take the cheese and we're going to use the cheese. I want the cheese. So we're going to take the cheese. That's the plan from here on out. Welcome to the Weekend Sports Rap Podcast. Also, for NSA and FBI and CIA listening, that was a joke. Not going to do any of that. I don't want to storm the cheese cave. I'm just making a joke, okay? Storm Area 51, that was pretty funny. None of it really, nothing really happened because of it. Nothing really happened of it. So I'm making a joke. All right, FBI, chill. Not going to make any battle plans about storming the cheese cave, even though it's kind of funny that we have 1.4 billion pounds. <laughs> of cheese just hanging out in a limestone cave somewhere underneath Springfield, Missouri of all places. So CIA, FBI, don't come after me. I'm not actually going to storm the cheese cave, but I saw that today and it blew my mind that that was a thing. So welcome to the weekend sports rep podcast. I thought that was a little more fun of an intro talking about the amazing cheese cave. And uh, then, you know, talking about robots or something like I talked about last week, but here we are. Weekend Sports Rep Podcast, what are we going to talk about today? we got a couple things to talk about. Not as focused, I would say, as last week's episode with the MLB umpires and stuff like that. We're kind of going to be all over the place. We've got NBA playoffs to talk about. We're now in the conference semifinals for each, uh, the, both the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the draft, even though nothing other than the first round, you know, those A.J. Brown trades, Hollywood Brown trades, stuff like that. Those That was big news, but... Other than that, nothing insane in the NFL draft. So we'll kind of gloss over that. Plus, it's what everybody, every other person is doing this week is NFL draft recap, recap 
Ray Crap. That was a Freudian slip. Um, everybody else is doing that, so I don't really want to focus on that too much. And then we're going to talk a little bit about um, MLB, Players of the Month. April Players of the Month got announced. We'll talk a little bit about that and then see where every team stands here at the end of the at the end of uh, April and the beginning of May. So let's let's begin, shall we? First up today, we're going to talk a little bit about NBA playoffs. It is conference semifinals, like I talked about. First game on deck happened on Sunday, if I remember correctly. Sunday, yes, it was the Milwaukee Bucks. They're taking on the Boston Celtics. The Bucks were on the road, I believe. Yes, on the road. And they were playing the Boston Celtics, like I said, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and the Bucks defeated the Celtics on the road, 101-89, a big win for them, Giannis Antetokounmpo, they made light work, and the Bucks made light work of the Celtics in Game 1, holding the Celtics to just 89 points, their lowest scoring total since December 29th, three, four, five months ago, goodness, uh, Antetokounmpo went 24-13-12, and 12. he had a triple-double, and he appears to be uh, imposing his will, if you will, on the undersized Boston lineup. We were looking at, last week, Jason Tatum basically shutting down Kevin Durant in that first round of the series, and we all saw Jason Tatum kind of glow up into this into this incredible uh, defensive star who could kind of go toe-to-toe. It felt like kind of go toe-to-toe with a guy like Kevin Durant, who Kevin Durant, a scoring legend, one of the greatest scorers in the history of basketball in general, and uh, Jason Tatum kind of shut him down, and then Giannis Antetokounmpo comes in here, and he's kind of just bullying Jason Tatum around um, with his size, even though Antetokounmpo, get this, this is almost as blasphemous as the Cheese Cave, Antetokounmpo and Kevin Durant are listed as the same height and weight. If you go look uh, close to their same weight, if you go look at their NBA profiles, which is absolutely insane, given how Giannis Antetokounmpo kind of throws his weight around, uh, his weight around compared to Kevin Durant throwing his weight around. So Bucks win that first game. They hammered Boston in fast break points, winning 28 to 8 in that area. And game one went to the defending champs. So Milwaukee leads that series one to nothing. The follow-up game to that one was on the West, on the uh on the uh, I guess in Memphis, but is the Western Conference. The Warriors defeated the Grizzlies 117 to 116. Probably the best game of the last of the first games of the semifinals after the Grizzlies survived the Timberwolves in their first to win their first playoff series since back in 2015. Their reward was the scorching hot Golden State Warriors and your triple double from John Morant sparked the Grizz on a night where they led for much of the game. But the Jordan Poole show continued for Golden State and Jordan Poole looks like the next man up, even though I'm not writing off Steph Curry or anything like that. But man, I, I, Golden State just keeps finding these guys, man. I don't know where they get them. Um, Steph Curry went for 24. Clay Thompson went for 15. They combined for eight threes. Poole dropped 31 points off of the bench. Um, both teams went back and forth down the stretch until Thompson hit a three with 36 seconds left for the lead. And Morant got a look for the Grizzlies at, uh, for, at a game winner, but he missed the contested lineup. And uh, the Warriors get game one, and now they lead the series one to nothing. Move over to Monday. That was the second night of game ones. The Heat. Took on the Joel Embiid list, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Heat won that game 106-92. Sixers stepped into their semifinals without their leading man, like I said, Joel Embiid, and they'll be without him for game two as well, so that's a big loss for them. In his absence, he broke his orbital bone, by the way, so the thing that like kind of holds your eyeball together, I'm not an ortho- orthopedist, I don't even know what it's called, but you know what I'm talking about, orthopedist person that works on your eyeball. I'm not one of those guys, but the orbital bone is like right above your eye. And I'm assuming it holds your eyeball altogether and hold it all in there. So 
he got roughed up pretty good, but he's only going to, he's going to be back for game three, presumably. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and his absence though, in game one, the ball fell in, fell to the supporting cast for Philadelphia and they did not necessarily deliver. Um, Tobias Harris had 27 points. He led the team and, uh, James Harden, the number two, supposed number two on this offense. He only had 16 points and was still a shell of the old beard that we once knew. Uh, the Sixers led by one at halftime, but Miami's second half surge slammed the door. Bam out of bio had 24 points, 12 rebounds, and he took advantage of the missing big man. Uh, Tyler hero poured in 25 points off the bench. Tyler heroes undoubtedly going to win six man of the year, probably by a landslide. And uh, neither team shot well in this game, but the Heat have a golden opportunity to take a, take a 2-0 series lead here in uh, with Embiid's absence with game two coming up in a couple of days. Um, the Suns, the next game in that, uh, the next game on Monday, the Suns defeated the Mavericks 121 to 114. That makes it six straight game one victories to open a series for the Suns uh, for Phoenix. And this one was a wire to wire win. The Suns led by as many as 21 points before a furious Dallas comeback attempt in the final eight minutes that made things interesting. Luka Doncic continues to dominate in the playoffs. He poured in 45 points. He had 45, 12, and 8. But uh, Phoenix's balanced attack saw six players in double figures, including 91 points from their starters. Devin Devin Booker flirted with a triple-double with 23 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, while DeAndre Ayton had 25 points and 8 rebounds. And he was a force inside, and uh, Ayton led the way for the Suns in that game in scoring and Phoenix leads the series now one to nothing. And we will see them play again here in a couple days as well. So the bucks and Celtics play t- Tuesday night and then the Warriors and the Grizzlies play Tuesday night as well. And then the heat and 76ers play again on Wednesday night, Suns and Mavericks play again on Wednesday night as well. So conference semifinal games. We'll see what happens. I'm still leaning bucks over the Celtics just a little bit. We'll see if Middleton come back, comes back. I don't think he's planned to come back against them against the Celtics. And that's a huge loss for the Bucks. It helps them spread the floor a lot. Um, instead of uh, you know trapping uh, teams trapping the paint more or less against a guy like uh, Giannis who loves to just charge in like a truck. Um, but it worked the first game. So what do I know? Um, so I'm still leaning Bucks a little bit, but the Celtics can get rhythm, kind of figure out Giannis a little bit. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. They got the Defensive Player of the Year on their team, which you know that award really doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, the Celtics get hot though. You know, it's anybody's ball game at that point. Warriors at Grizzlies. Warriors, they look like they're probably just a little more um, experienced, obviously, in this uh, in the, in the playoffs. Just in general, the Warriors team in general is just more experienced than the Grizzlies are in uh, in playoff situations, and I think that's probably going to hurt the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are a fun team to watch, nonetheless. But I still think that the Warriors with Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole emerging as a rising star, Steph Curry, Draymond Green still as well. Um, probably going to emerge victorious in that one as the more experienced team. Without uh, this, without Embiid, I don't think the Sixers can win game two. I don't think they can win a game, to be honest with you, without Joel Embiid. But if Joel Embiid does come back in this series and kind of plays like himself, I think this series with against the Heat gets a lot more interesting. I don't see the Heat winning, like, you know, sweeping or winning in five games with Embiid's schedule to come back in game three and game four. Um, if Embiid comes back and plays like his normal self, I kind of see the Sixers maybe correcting course a little bit and playing a little bit better um, and possibly taking the seven games, six games possibly, and the Sixers winning that series. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to lean Sixers in that one. If Embiid, if Embiid comes back and plays like his normal self, 
and I'm probably going to leave Sixers, lean Sixers just a little bit. But as of right now, with Embiid not in, then the Heat are going to win every game that Embiid's not in, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Suns, Mavericks. I think the Suns, again, it's another experience thing for me. Suns got all the way to the finals last year. They've got the point guard, a veteran leader on their team. Devin Booker's back, and he's at least playing a little bit like himself again after pulling that hamstring in round one. DeAndre Ayton's playing really good, and DeAndre Ayton's going to be a force down low against the Mavericks team that doesn't really have anybody that can play with Ayton down low like that defensively at the very least. So I think the Suns win this series against the Mavericks, but the Mavericks, they're on the, you know, Give them a year or two, and they're you know they they look like the Suns a little bit you know in a, in about a year or two, and they're more the favorite in this situation. But right now, I think the Suns um, are the favorite in that series, and I have them probably winning that game that series in six. I would say. Um, moving on, it was the NFL draft this past weekend. Everybody knows it. Everybody loves it, except me. Don't love it. It's it's fine. You know, it's not a. Um, it's not my favorite thing in the world to watch, if you will. Um, I think there are many better things, even though there's not a lot that goes on at that particular time um, with the NFL draft on. But, you know, I mean, it's fine. I think we also, I, you know, the NFL being the media machine that it is, can kind of make anything uh, beautiful and incredible. Um, but I don't love it as much as everybody else, if you will. I just think it's kind of ridiculous that we have um, this day where first dra- the first day, uh, you know, round one, always pretty fun. Even though even this year um, with the trades and everything that we got, that was pretty interesting and in seeing different players move to different teams and have draft draft picks shift position to different teams as well. That was interesting, but not a quarterback taken in the first round. That was weird to see. Um you know, we haven't had a draft like that in forever. I don't have the, the 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 year right in front of me, but I can't imagine it has happened in the last five years, at the very least, um, when a quarterback hasn't been taken in the first round. So that was interesting for me to see. But other than that, you know, there's just I, I don't know what it feeds on as people that love football. People just love football, I guess that's possible. But part of me makes it it feeds on our belief of hope, maybe. um I mean, obviously, it's a big gambling day, too, for the NFL. But, you know, people want to believe that they're watching their team draft the next greatest player of all time. Is my team going to draft Tom Brady at the 199 pick like that? You know, like what happened to Tom Brady way back in 1999 or whenever it was. Um, And that's, you know, people have the right to be excited for every one of their picks, but nobody knows, you know, even the first pick in the draft, the second pick of the draft, Aiden Hutchinson went number two. He was the number one overall draft board favorite, but nobody knows if he's going to turn out to be, you know, the best defensive end we've ever seen. So I just think it's kind of a, we're, we're just throwing, you know, throwing stuff into the wind and hoping that it sticks later down the line. We're watching something happen that we don't know will pay off until a couple years down the line. So I just think it's a an interesting day. I don't know what people should expect out of a draft like this because we're not getting quarterbacks. We're not getting the Trevor Lawrence situation where he's a day one starter or anything like that that'll make a complete deep impact on your team like a quarterback just inherently does because it's a quarterback. So we're not getting that out of this sort of draft. So, you know, the draft is just kind of hit or miss for me. It's not something I, I don't watch all three days by any means. Um I, I try pay attention to my team's picks um, 
and try to figure out. I, I couldn't tell you, you know, after day two, who the Minnesota Vikings picked. That's my team, by the way. Pray for me. Um, I couldn't tell you after day two who the Minnesota Vikings picked. And you know what? Maybe somebody from day three will turn out to be a fantastic player. But that's, again, something you're betting on that'll happen two, three years down the line. And I'm not going to remember this draft. You know what I mean? I'm not going to I'm not going to remember this draft two or three years down the line. Um, so, yeah, it's just an interesting an interesting day for me. People are so starved for football that they're willing to watch people, you know, get their name called walk down a super long hallway, which was something that happened in the draft this year, that hallway that they had connecting the draft stage to like, I'm assuming the green room quote unquote that was connected to like the hotel that was right next to them. That, that walk was forever. I mean, good Lord, they might as well run the 40 on the carpet that they have there in the, in that walkway, because it felt like they were panned on that, uh, on the, on the draft walkway forever. And then they finally got their hats and their Jersey and all that jazz. And you know, it's a fun time, whatever. I, I feel bad for all the people in Vegas though, that were standing out there in the God awful heat, just watching names get picked out of an envelope and then wait another 10 minutes, 10 minutes and then watch another name get picked out of an envelope and so on and so forth. So I feel bad for those people that had to have been excruciating. You would never, ever catch me going to an NFL draft, especially in Las Vegas. Good Lord. That sounds awful. Would never want to do it. Um, but for a little more local, I guess, coverage, um, the uh, Denver Broncos had a pretty good draft, according to a lot of experts. Um, Russell Wilson, he was a big part of Denver's draft class, obviously, because you know they traded for him. Um, they used a pick that they, uh, they they used a pick acquired in the Von Miller trade and explosive pass rusher with their first pick of the draft in the Oklahoma edge rusher Nick Benito. He also got another tight end to replace Noah Fant, who went in the Russell Wilson trade to Seattle. Um, and that was UCLA tight end Greg Dulicic, Dulicic, I believe. And then they also got a cornerback in the fourth round, third round, I believe. Uh, Damari Mathis. It's a good pickup by them. It's a pretty uh, defensive dominated draft for the Broncos. Stop me if you've heard that one before. The defense getting the priority for the Broncos in the draft. Stop me if you've heard that. Of course, it's getting the the... The defense is getting the priority in the draft. Um, they got a couple defensive tackles and Ioma Uwazurike from Iowa State and Wisconsin defensive tackle Matt Henningsen. Uh, they got a couple uh, secondary namer uh, players. Like I said, Damari Mathis back in the third round from Pitt. And then the very last pick that they had, Fayan Hicks from Wisconsin. They also got a safety, another Oklahoma player, and DeLaren Turner-Yell. And they also got a wide receiver, Montrell Washington, out of the draft. So, I'm not going to say it's a good picks or not because we have no idea. Um, as an Oklahoma fan, Nick Benito, loved watching him. I hope he becomes a very good player. I have no idea, though. I hope he becomes a very good NFL player. I hope he breaks the sacks record. I have no idea if he's going to do that, though, because I can't see into the future. Delarian Turner-Yell, also an Oklahoma player. I'm an Oklahoma fan. Sure, good safety. Lots of fun to watch at uh, Oklahoma. Um do I think he's going to be a great safety in the NFL? No idea. No idea. That, welcome to the NFL draft. That's kind of how it goes. Mel Kuyper, he does all this research. Todd McShay, all these draft experts, they do all this research. They'll give you every piece of information you'll know, you'll need to know about the draft. But they don't know what's going to happen. These guys, just like you don't know, your friend doesn't know, your best friend doesn't know, none of the GMs don't even know either. That's why we have first-round busts happen in the NFL a ton. And just like in any other sport, too. It's the same thing. So 
Anybody that tells you that they know what's going to happen in this league and in the draft is fooling you. They don't really know. Um, nobody really had a explosively terrible draft. I'll say that. Um, from what I understand, you know, again, from, from what I've read, nobody's been, nobody was terrible. I guess the biggest question mark for um, any of the teams was the Patriots taking um, offensive guard Cole Strange at 29th overall from University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Um, he was projected to kind of go in like the late second, early third round, and the Patriots took him f- uh, number 29th overall. So their first round pick was used on him, which, you know, Patriots might know something we don't know, um, or they liked what they saw, obviously, and they took him. Who knows? Um, he could turn out to be a very good player, and he could turn out to be the best player in the first round. So nobody really knows, but that was probably the most head-scratching uh, pick with all the information that we have um, in front of us at the moment. Um, another big name, at least locally anyways, was uh, Chad Muma, the Wyoming linebacker, former Wyoming linebacker. He went to the Jacksonville Jaguars at 70th overall in the NFL draft. So he'll be taking the cross country uh, trip down to Jacksonville and he'll be getting his start with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, at 70th overall. Like I said, and again, don't know if he's going to be any good. Hopefully he's going to be good. He had a great, he got a great career at, um, at Wyoming as a linebacker. Um, but will his, I, I think his skill set will transfer over to the NFL. It's a linebacker. There's not a lot, um, you know, I think that's probably the least um, disparity between position, I'd think, in the NFL. I'm totally just, you know, talking out of my butt, if you will. I would think the, the linebacker position, you have to be really good at it in order to get the NFL. But I think once you come out of college and go to the NFL, I don't think the leap is as big as other positions. But again, also don't know that either. So who knows? We'll see what happens there. But Chad Muba, congrats to him. Congrats to his family. Drafted 70th overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So pretty cool. Pretty cool pickup for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you got another player to root for if you're a Cowboys fan in the NFL. And that is Chad Muma going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, we're going to move on. NFL draft. That's wrapped. Everybody else is doing it, so I don't want to talk about it too much. We're going to talk about players of the month. MLB players of the month. The April month, the month of April wrapped up. They played about... 24 games, I want to say, if I remember correctly. Um, they had not 24 games. They had 24 days of regular season in the month of April with the regular season starting on April 7th instead of, you know, April 1st, like it does every year, thanks to the lockout. And we got our players of the month in both the AL and the NL. The NL player of the month, Rockies fans, cover your ears, was Nolan Arenado, third baseman at the uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, he had a great... He had a great month of April. He batted 375, an on-base percentage of 444, a slugging percentage of 681, a WRC plus of 225. He had five home runs, seven doubles, 11 runs, and 17 runs batted in. He walked a, or excuse me, struck out 17.3% of his at bats and walked 11% of his at bats. And when he put the ball in play, he was hitting 415, um, which is exceptional. And uh, we had two third basemen as the players of the month this week or this um, this month. Excuse me. The AL version being Jose Ramirez, J Ram himself, the switch hitter from the Cleveland Guardians. He hit 342 and uh, with a batting average with the ball in play of 313. So he even got a little unlucky um, 
when he was at the plate, he was hitting 342 on average, but when he put the ball in play, he was hitting 313. He had an on-base percentage of 411, a slugging percentage of 722, and a WRC plus of 229. Uh, he walked 10% of his at-bats and struck out 10% of his at-bats. He had seven doubles, one triple as well, seven home runs, and uh, 12 runs, and 28 RBIs already in the first month of the season. So congrats to those guys. Two third basemen, who would have thought? Um, Jose Ramirez is looking like probably the better player of the two as of right now, just because he's driving in so many runs. Um, and the Guardians, you know, they're not a great team per se, but, you know, here we are. Um, and the Guardians right now, they sit at just under 500, even with Jose Ramirez hitting 30, 342 uh, with 28 RBIs and seven home runs. They're still hovering around that 500 spot. They're 10 and 12 on the season. They're uh, three and a half games back of the AL Central leading Minnesota Twins, who are 14 and nine. So, Guardians still below 500, even with the player of the month on their team. That's kind of what you'd expect with Jose Ramirez on their team. He's the best player on that team, other than probably Shane Bieber. He's definitely the best hitter on that team, without a doubt. Um, so, it's interesting to see what will happen there. Don't know what happened there. I don't see the Guardians winning that division, even with J Ram, Shane Bieber as well. Um, but who knows? It's baseball. It's kind of random. Looking at the rest of the uh, MLB standings right now at the end of the month of April and the beginning of May, the Yankees are leading the AL East, the the blood soaked AL East because it is a bloodbath over there. They're just beating each other, beating each other to hell. We have the Yankees leading the AL East 17. They're 17 and six on the season. They've won 10 straight games. So they're breaking out a pretty decent lead. In the AL East, they're followed by the Blue Jays, who are 15 and 9. The Rays are 13 and 10 in third place. The Red Sox are 9 and 14 in fourth place. Don't talk to me. Um, the Baltimore Orioles are 8 and 15 in last place at the moment. The, the AL Central, like I said, the Twins, 14 and 9. Guardians, 10 and 12, three and a half games back. White Sox are 9 and 13. Uh, the Royals are 7 and 14. And the Tigers are 7 and 14 in the AL Central. The AL West. The Angels are leading that division right now. They're 15 and 9. The Astros are in second place. They're 12 and 11. Uh, the Mariners are 12 and 11 as well, tied for second place. The Athletics are 10 and 13. And the Rangers are 8 and 14, rounding out the last spot there in the AL West. Moving over to the NL, the NL East, the Mets are 16 and 8. The New York Metropolitans, how about them? All the 16 and 8. Two, uh, the two New York teams, the tops of the list on both sides. Of the AL and the NL, maybe the the uh, Subway Series getting a lot more interesting this year if both teams can kind of hold out until their first series. Uh, rounding out the NL East, the Marlins are twelve and ten; they're in second place. The Phillies are eleven and twelve; they're in third place. The Braves are eleven and thirteen. The defending champs coming out a little underwhelming right now; they're eleven and thirteen in fourth place. And the Nationals last in the NL East at eight and sixteen in the NL Central. The Milwaukee Brewers, they're leading the way at 15 and 8. The Cardinals are right behind them, 13 and 9 on the season so far. The Pirates are 9 and 13. The Cubs are 9 and 13. And then the worst record in the league by far are the Cincinnati Reds in the NL Central. Last place in the NL Central, last place in the MLB in terms of record. 3 and 19. Three wins on the season and 19 losses. They're 11 and a half games back already of the central leading Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, moving over to the NL West. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers lead the way. They're 14 and seven uh, Padres are 15 and eight. And it goes by losses, by the way, not by wins. So that's why the Dodgers are leading there. Um, so the Dodgers 14 and seven Padres in second place at 15 and eight giants are 14 and eight and the Rockies 
Started off a little hotter, but they cooled down just a little bit, but still above 500. They're 13 and nine in fourth place. And again, another blood soaked division. Um, they're bashing each other like crazy. Dodgers, Padres, Giants, all definite uh, playoff favorites, especially at the start of the year. So we'll see if the Rockies can kind of hang on, maybe sneak themselves into that conversation. But well, a lot of baseball that we played. Um, so we'll see where that ends up. The Diamondbacks rounding out the NL West as well, and they're 11 and 13. So not a joke either, the the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. So we'll see where that ends up. I think that is going to conclude the show today. Like I said, a little all over the place, but not too long of a show. Not a huge story broke out or anything like that. Just kind of smooth sailing. I'm going to say that, and then I'm going to jinx it. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Something crazy is going to happen. I don't have to re-record this all over again. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Pray for me, please. All right, that's going to wrap up the show. Oh, um, a couple production notices. Um, first things first, please. If you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe. I appreciate a rate. Five stars, one star. If it's one star, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Give me a heads up. Let me know. Um, the five star, the the ratings really help me get to... Uh, Get on the um, you know the rating page or the the hot page, if you will, the trending page on all of those platforms. So I'd really appreciate a rating if you're listening to any of those sites. That would greatly help me out with listeners and so on and so forth. And then also, um, if you're a baseball fan, the Troopers are playing this weekend. They are uh, playing on Saturday. Uh, we're going to have broadcast coverage for you as well over on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO, as well as a video live stream over on our Facebook page and on sharedmedia.com. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because commentary will be provided by yours truly. And uh, camera work will be by uh, Dylan Daniels, produced by Steven Schreffler. And then we'll have color commentary by Derek Scott as well. And we'll kind of be switching roles here and there. So if you wouldn't mind tuning into that, I'd appreciate that as well. Um, just help support the things that I do. And I'll love you forever. So I appreciate it. That is going to wrap up our show today. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in to the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. I have been your host, James Timberlake.